What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the official GAR Capital podcast. My name is Carlos, the CEO of GAR Capital and the host of the podcast. Thank you so much for spending your Monday with me. It is Monday, January 21st, 2019. The markets are closed due to the Martin Luther King holiday and a well-deserved holiday for Dr. King. Give a uh, special thanks to all his fighting for equality in this great nation. So again, uh, this holiday is well-deserved to Dr. King and his family. So just wanted to give a special thank you. A lot of gratitude for him due to the civil rights movement. And uh, as a minority, I am a Latin man. Uh, due to him and his equality fighting for our great country, uh, you know, we have a great quality in our nation and our nation is better for it. Um, Mr. Pre uh, uh, Mr. President Donald Trump wrote a nice tweet about him and so did uh, former President Barack Obama as well. So again, you can check those out. I tweeted those on our Twitter page at GAR Capital. So with that being said, let's go ahead and begin. What is this episode about? Well, are we in a bull market or is this a bear market rally? Which one is it? Are we back to where we were in 2018 before October happened and everything went to hell? The new highs? Well, technically, let's talk about that. Uh, I'm going to go by the ES, which is the E-mini futures. That's something that I use the most. If you want to take a look on your platform, it's forward, uh, forward slash ES. That's the E-mini futures, the S&P 500 contracts. So again, futures 24 hours a day, five days a week. That's what I use and my team uses every day to track the market. So right now, uh, today is down about eight points on the ES, about 0.31% after a huge rally over on Friday. End of the week, very strong. But again, we're off the lows. We're at 26.63 now. The lows, December lows, is 23.16. Ever since that huge Christmas Eve disaster where Steve Mnuchin called the bank saying, we have liquidity, we're fine, everything's okay. Even the president called it a glitch, quote unquote. We did bounce back very nicely. Uh, definite V-shaped recovery. You could see it. You know, you're talking about 310 handles back to the upside. That's pretty big. Um, I'm looking at a daily chart here. I'm going to go ahead and bring up a monthly chart if you want to go ahead and join me here. Um, you could see on a monthly chart, actually daily would be best. Monthly just a little too convoluted. So let me go ahead and just zoom in here. Okay, so we hit a high, all-time high in October, 29.47. Looked like we were going to hit our target for the year, 2018, of 3,000. We were just only 53 handles away. But again, that was based, it fell slightly in October after the earnings reports October 10th, then came back down and we were basically in a range of 28.19 and around 26.30, about 170 uh, handles in that range. And then we tanked in December. December was an absolute tank job of the market. Uh, my take is this is, on this is pretty simple. For the most part, I believe, yes, we are having a global slowdown. That's, that's undisputable. We are having global slowdown. If you're based on PMIs, global GDP, uh, the trade war, what have you, China reporting that their GDP was the lowest in 28 years. Uh, whatever your opinion is on the global trade war, good or bad, that's not good globally. We're in a globalized economy now. What happens over there affects us here. What affects us here happens over there. Uh, for better or worse, we are trade par partners with the Chinese. Uh, now, are we going to get this deal done? It really depends. Um, I've said it many times, you know, it's not about how many soybeans they buy or the trade deficit. That's important, yes, but the big elephant in the room, guys, is intellectual property theft. The Chinese have been making too many bootleg uh, products, Nikes, Louis Vuittons, Rolexes, whatever, name brands in China, and that's a big part of their economy. 
And, uh, you know, it affects the French, affects the Italians, affects the Americans. Um, when the United States entrepreneurs or companies create an actual technology or create a product that's sold worldwide, the Chinese create a knockoff of it and sell it, you know, and there's no repercussions for it. And that's a big deal because there's actually a fake Apple store in, in China, like literally a fake Apple store, nothing to do with Apple, but it's fake. It's all bootleg stuff. I mean, that's a problem. And, you know, depend, I don't care what side you're on politically, that's not good for the United States economy or the global economy. You know, um, uh, those kind of counterfeit goods, it, it affects companies. That's money out of their bottom line and they're using the brand to make money when they're not getting anything. That's their intellectual property. So again, yes, this is something that needs to get fixed. But do you expect the Chinese to prosecute their own for breaking laws of international overseas? Uh, I highly doubt that. That's not going to happen. That's probably one of the hardest things you're going to work on in the trade war. Now, are the Chinese being affected by this? Absolutely. Are we being affected by this? Absolutely. So it could be a war of attrition, back and forth, back and forth. But again, um, you know, that's something that needs to be worked on, and it's, it hasn't been solved yet. And I don't think it will be solved anytime soon. So, of course, you know, talking about the markets here and the economy, let me go ahead and give, preface this by saying the market in December was pricing in a recession. We are not in a recession. I'm going to repeat that. We're nowhere even close to recession. We're at 3.7 unemployment. GDP is still growing very solidly, by the way. People have jobs. People have money. Consumer confidence is slightly down. Yes, from December. Retail sales, we're good. Um, did they meet expectations for most of the retail companies? If you according to MasterCard, the greatest Black Friday ever in, on record. But yet, certain stores like a Macy's, um, these stores didn't have great, great retail sales. Uh, we still haven't heard from Amazon, which is the biggest retail store other than Walmart now. So it depends what you get your news from or your information. It has nothing to do with fake news. It's all about disseminating information almost to cover your bias. But if we're just going to go by the market, we could see that. Looks like all is well for the most part. So the question being, again, we were visiting, is this a bear market rally? What is a bear market rally? A bear market rally is that where you're actually in a bear market, but yet we're retracing back to previous levels before falling again, where you have the swoon, where you have investors, you have uh, mutual funds, uh, hedge funds, individual investors buying stocks that they think are quote unquote cheap. Now, are stocks cheap? Yes, technically they are. Forward earnings on the S&P right now, I believe that's 17 on the S&P 500 forward earnings, 16 to 17. Historically speaking, we should be at 19. So again, 19 to 20. So we actually are pretty cheap based on stock pricing. Now, companies are making money. It's not like we're not making money. Corporations are making money. Corporate profits are up. But here's the problem, and I explained this on the whiteboard on Instagram Live. What has the companies been doing? They haven't been actually researching, research and development. They haven't been expanding. Now, of course, there are some, you know, acquisitions, which are great, obviously. You know, expansion, uh, you know, pick any. Amazon for Whole Foods, um, Bristol Myers, uh, buying Celagene, I believe. Uh, you have IBM buying Red Hat. Those kind of companies, you know, they're expanding. You know, that's a good use of capital. What some of the companies have been doing, like an Apple, like a Boeing, like the banks have been doing, is buying back shares, which are propping up the stock price by reducing the amount of shares outstanding, which creates a sense of scarcity, which props up the stock price. The problem is when you have a company like Apple, who's been doing that to maybe 225 a share, to 220, to 210, to 200, to 190, to 180, and now all the way down to a buck fifty. Where does that money? Did that money come back? No, that's gone. It's losses. Now, again, I don't know if they sold their shares to take the profit or they just own the stock. 
But again, that's money that's evaporated. All that money. So you as a shareholder, you do have a vote. Do you want your companies that you own shares in to give you back dividends, which is returning of capital, increase your dividends? Fine. Do you want them to buy back shares? That's fine. Or do you want them to acquire, take on more debt like an IBM? Or do you want them to just keep researching development to the upside where they're just going to keep growing their technology? And I, and I, and I, like to, I hate to pick on Apple here, but it seems that the app, Apple company, the reason they're priced so low or well, 150 is because they've kind of got away from innovation here. So with that being said, you got to understand that these kind of companies, they're picking and choosing how they want to do things. Whether it's they want to be like a hedge fund type company where they're just all about their shareholders, which is their absolute their right. They can without a problem. That is their prerogative. Or they're going to go ahead and be more technology savvy and grow organically without acquisitions. Think of Apple in the 90s and early 2000s where they invested their funds into research and development, creating innovative new products. And in my opinion, I think Apple has become a company that's behind the curve where they've acted more like a hedge fund, returning capital to shareholders, buying back stock without really thinking about forward guidance or forward thinking, where they, which is something they were very primed on, something that they held their hat on, hang their hat on, excuse me. So again, back to what we were talking about. We were talking about the bear market rally. Did you know that in 1987, every time, well, 887, crash of 29, 32, you know, the recession of the 70s, uh, we even had the dot-com bubble. Even 2007, 2008, we had rallies after these stock market crashes. It's happened before. This is nothing new. So again, you have to, as an investor, say to yourself, is this a change in the narrative? Has this created a change where these kind of movements, are they normal? Are they normal? Is a, you know, a move from 2019 straight down shot to 2319, which is about a 500 handle move on ES, is that a normal market condition? And absolutely not. Well, is 2319 to 2663 a normal condition in just less than a month, 30 days, not even trading days, 30 calendar days? Is that normal? No. It's a very volatile market. So again, up or down, markets should be moving that way. So again, we know that we're in an information-based economy where everything is based on what's the news, what's happening, uh, uh, reports, companies, what have you. Who knows first gets the money, right? Usually. But again, these kind of movements, guys, let's be clear. These are not normal movements. In my opinion, this is a bear market rally. I'm still sticking with that. I'm going to break down exactly why I believe that is. Number one, trade war. Nothing has been set in stone. You can have the president tweet all day to his delight. We even had the Wall Street Journal report on Thursday. Uh, on I think Thursday, I believe, that the, we're gonna, the United States is going to remove tariffs. That the Chinese are going to buy back up to $1 trillion worth of American products, and they're going to balance out the, uh, the deficit, the trade deficit. Well, that wasn't really confirmed. Uh, even Steve Mnuchin said nothing is on the table in regards to removing, removing um, uh, tariffs. That hasn't been discussed. So what does the market do? It falls right away. <laughs> it bounced up, came down, it went up again. So it even broke that level where it came back from. So again, that's the trade war. Again, intellectual property. Let's remember that. Intellectual property has not been solved. Nothing has been solved. So again, we're still going on this tariffs. Nothing has changed. Remember, we still have a 90-day grace period. I believe that's going to March 1st. We're about to hit February. Nothing has been done. There's a Davos conference uh, in Davos with all the economic people, the smart individuals that are working on feverishly on economic conditions. What's going to change? Fine. Nothing is going to change for right now. 
So that's number one, the trade war. Nothing has changed. Number two, government shutdown. The United States has, is not in business. The government is shut down. 800,000 government workers are not being paid. They are working for free. They have to understand these are not exactly high, high, high paying jobs, TSA or what have you, these government agencies, middle class workers. If they, you're talking about, we're talking about food bank here in DC to feed these workers. They've missed one paycheck, one, not two, not three, not four, one paycheck. And they're one paycheck away from bankruptcy almost that they have to ask lenders to get free loans. They have to go to soup kitchens. Like we're in the great depression. One, one paycheck guys. Does that doesn't sound like the greatest economy to you? I don't think so. I think the cracks are showing what you're seeing here is income inequality. Now I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm going to agree with, uh, the Congresswoman from the Bronx in New York. Uh, Alexandra Ocario Ortiz or what have you, the 70% tax. No, I'm not going to agree with that. No, I think there's a little more things you could tweak than just taxing the rich forever. But there's, you cannot deny there is definitely a group of haves and have nots. That's not good for this economy. This is the same thing we had in the Great Depression where you have the one or top 10%. They can't consume fast enough. They can't consume. They can't empty the warehouses fast enough. It's too concentrated the money up to the top. It's not a morality issue. It's an economic issue. Let's just say that. Forget morality. Forget you, you don't care about people. It's just not functioning where you have so little people. They can't consume fast enough. I'll give you the analogy. What is better for the economy? Where one guy buys a yacht, a $200 million yacht. Jerry Jones, congratulations. Owner of the Cowboys bought a $250 million yacht. Great. Or, or Ford sells 250,000 vehicles or 250 vehicles or 2,000 vehicles. What gets more jobs? Ford does. So again, the United States is better off with a strong middle class. That's not a, democ a Democrat issue. That's not a Republican issue. That's not even a political statement. That's an economic statement. So again, forget, forget politically. I'm telling you, that's the best way to grow an economy. You need a strong middle class because they consume the most. They're the largest in population. They're the ones that consume, that go out, that go eat, that go shopping, that go to the movies, that do these things. They're the one that consume. Rich individuals, wealthier individuals, they don't consume as much in a sense. They're more investing. And that's great. And again, investing is very, very key. No one's saying it's not. But again, we're talking about we're a consumer nation. 70% of the economy is based on the consumer. And who's that consumer? The middle class. So again, it is best for this economy where it's pushed to, to Americans that are middle class to consume. If you, let's, I'll give you an example here. If the United States had a trillion dollars in surplus, trillion dollars in surplus, that means extra cash in the reserve in the treasury, what would be better? Go ahead and think about this for a second. What would be better? Would you give the top 10% a tax cut so they could save that money? Most of those people would just invest the money, which is fine, but it's not, it doesn't have the same speed as giving 200 million Americans a $1,000 paycheck or $3,000 windfall. I'll tell you how this consumption works, how middle-class consumption works. Did you notice that most sales for automobiles happen during what time? Tax refund time. Tax refund time is very important because it's the largest windfall for most Americans. So again, that's probably the biggest check they'll ever receive for the year. And what do they do? They blow it. They spend it, which is good. It's good. They, they, they keep the economy going. They buy stuff. They buy cars. They pay their bills, what have you. The wealthier individual Americans that have the vested cap on, that doesn't provide as much as a, an accelerant to the economy, the consumer economy, the way the middle class does. So again, that's the reason why this 800,000 individuals that are, that are out of a job right now due to this government shutdown, 
needs to be solved very quickly because it's going to accelerate and get worse. Again, if they miss another paycheck, you're talking about, it gets really ugly here. Again, we've seen the things on the news where people can't feed their families. It's very, very, very terrible. But again, you see the stock market going up, right? Remember, the, the American economy is not based on the stock market. It's a, it's a part of it. Yes, it's a leading indicator. Yes, but it's not the economy. So let's keep that in mind. Number two, earnings, corporate earnings. We talked about that, corporate earnings. I talked about that we would have a January swoon, that we would have an overconfidence in the economy in January, brand new year, 2019. That's, that's a best of money, yada, 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 right? But corporate earnings, yes, they have beaten, but revenue's down. I've always talked about there's two things when it comes to corporate earnings, revenue and profits, right? So again, let's talk profits first. I'm a businessman personally. I have a payroll. I have great employees. I have expenses just like anyone else running a business. Again, it's easy to create a profit. I can just lay off all my workers. I can cut costs to a T. But like Mark Cuban says, sales cures all. Sales cures all. So again, it's all about the revenue. How much sales are you bringing in? Because with those sales boosting, you can create either more payroll, you can invest in infrastructure, office space, new products, more people, what have you. But if you're cutting costs, it's easy to inflate profit. You just cut costs like crazy, lay off everybody, lower your, your take-home pay. That's easy. Again, if I can always do this, if I had $1,000 in revenue and I still pay my guys, say 500 bucks, I still have $500 left. But if I have $500 in revenue and I cut everyone, cut everyone off, sell everyone, lay off everybody, don't invest in anything, and don't take a paycheck, $500 profit. What looks better to you? The revenue or the profit? What's easy? What looks better to you in the balance sheet as an investor? I'm always looking at revenue. Are they beating revenue? Are they getting sales? That's what I'm looking at. If they're rolling back guidance, that's not good. That's not good. That's not what to say that Delta is not profitable, Citibank is not profitable, Goldman Sachs is not profitable. Let it be known that companies are profitable. We know that. They're making money. We're not saying they're not. We're not in a recession. Repeat that again. We're not in a recession. We're in a slowdown. Why are we in a slowdown? Revenue is down across the board. You're seeing a lowering of guidance, lowering of expectations. So if you lower the bar low enough, it's easy to jump over. It's easy to say to Apple, oh, well, you know, $100 billion in revenue, that's your new refreshed uh, expectation for your quarter. When their last quarter they did $160 billion. Well, well, they beat expectations, all is good. Well, yeah, because you lowered it so damn low. It's like telling your child, hey, listen, I only expect you guys to get a C this, this uh, nine weeks in your report card because I know holidays are tough. And they get a C, hey, well, they got a C just like I expected. We're creating that mindset now. We're creating an excuse to create a bull market that's not there. Here's the problem. Those companies are still priced in for growth, for X amount profit and earnings going forward. If you lower the expectations, you have to lower the stock price. Why would I pay the same dollar for lower revenue and lower guidance than I paid last quarter? Doesn't make any sense. So it, either because you're just accumulating to buy because there's nowhere else to buy, or it's just you've lowered the bar so damn low that you're just happy to they actually beat something. So again, if you're trying to create that psychology, it doesn't work. Again, anyone who's looking at the charts correctly and looking at the balance sheets correctly, you want to keep with companies that are growing, expanding revenue. Give an example, Netflix. A lot of people say, well, they're not profitable. Look at the revenue. They have grown in subscriber base every single quarter for almost eight years, seven years. That's not easy to do. It almost has to end sometime. Well, Carlos, they're burning cash. What do you expect them to do? Amazon did the same. They're not, they're not Clorox. They're a growing company. They have to burn cash. They have a lot of competition. 
Now, if you're expecting profitability every quarter, that's true. Yes, I, I talked about this profit earnings, but again, it's different. It's different sectors. We know a Netflix is technology heavy. It's an aggressive growth company. They're still growing. They're still in that stage of growth. Goldman Sachs is not growing. Citibank's not growing. Uh, uh, Clorox is not growing. American Airlines is not growing unless they acquire somebody. Apple's definitely not growing. I mean, yeah, their PE is lower, but they're not growing. I think they pretty much hit the, the tilt in regards to uh, peak iPhone sales. Why do you think they're not reporting iPhone sales anymore? Guys, these are little keys that you need to know. These are little things that they're reporting. If iPhone sales are doing so well, how come they don't want to report anymore? And of course, I've heard the opposite side. Well, Carlos Procter & Gamble doesn't report how much razors they sell with their Gillette razors. Yeah, well, Gillette razors doesn't account for 55% of gross revenue for Procter & Gamble, but iPhones do. So again, as an investor, I want to know how much iPhone sales you're doing. I want to know how much discounts you're giving. I want to know what's your profit margin. Well, you don't need to worry about that, Carlos. We're Apple. We're smarter than you. We know what you're doing. doesn't matter, right? Tim Cook said to uh, Mad Money, well, you know, you don't need to know all that. I do need to know that because that's a big chunk of your revenue. Now, again, if Apple is turning into Microsoft, very services oriented, that's going to be kind of difficult since they don't have the backing of a cloud. That's why I've said to everybody, if there's a million dollars in my pocket right now, there's one company I'm investing in and it's Amazon. Amazon is the company, in my opinion, that has the exact balance of AWS, which is Amazon Web Services Cloud, versus the retail side, which we know we love Amazon, Amazon Prime, what have you. They're the ones that are building correctly with a balance. How about this? If Amazon itself was split, AWS could be a Fortune 500 company on its own, by itself, if you spun off two divisions. That's where we are. Again, we talked about that in the top 10 stocks in our previous episode, so check that out if you want more details. But again, we talked about corporate growth, corporate earning growth. If you let the bar so low, of course, you're going to create that psychological bull market. But again, nothing has changed. That's my opinion. That's why I'm not putting fresh money to invest here other than the top 10 stocks that we did, which is already invested in and we're solid. But other than that, I am not putting fresh money in this market. Okay, so now we talked about the trade war. We talked about the government shutdown. We talked about global slowing down in corporate earnings. PMIs, which is uh, the uh, manufacturing index uh, you know, warehouses, these warehouse managers, are they ordering product? Are they shipping product? That's all revenue, guys. We're seeing it. It's a global slowdown. GDP will follow slowing down. It's just inevitable. Bull markets don't last forever, guys. I don't care what the stock market's telling you. Now, again, if we retrace back to 29.47, boy, am I wrong? Sure, sure. But I still think we're going to get a downside move. 26.63, if you're on ES right now, go ahead and put an alert at 27.12. 27.12 will be a full retracement of that December 10th Federal Reserve rate hike drop when, when they announce a 20 quarter point rate hike where every, every meeting is live, we're on autopilot, we're going to do three rate hikes, fine. So 27.12 is the, is the, uh, is the 70.6 Fib retracement on an hourly chart on ES. So 27.12, if you want to do a full retracement of the hourly, it's 28.19. And then the next stop will be 29.47. I highly doubt 27.12 would be a very, very hard ceiling for ES to break, which is the S&P. Uh, futures. So keep an eye on that. Again, if we break above, fine. Again, am I wrong? Sure, I could be wrong. I understand that, but I still think we get that February sell-off. Again, I don't think these corporate earnings and these downgrades and these lower expectations and lower guidance, they can hold because, again, guys, what are you paying for here? Are you paying for last quarter's, last quarter's guidance? No, you're paying for forward guidance. I don't care what they did this year. I, well, I care, but I'm looking at forward. Can they do this again going forward? Can they beat? Can a company grow for 10, 12 years? Can it? We don't know. That's the beauty of the stock market. You're literally placing a bet on that. 
You're betting on the future of a company. But again, those kind of factors are still into play here. So again, and last but not least, the Fed. So again, if everything is great again, if we're in a great economy, I'm going to end this right here. If we're in a great economy and stock markets are going up. Yeah, yeah. I guess rate hikes are back, on, back in the fold, right? Well, you would know about it if you talked about the bond market. Bond, year, bond yields right now, 10-year bond yields. Let me see if I can bring this up. 10-year bond yields at 2.788. If the market were so great, we should be at three. Easy. Easily three. Remember, in 2000, 2001, before 9-11 and before the, 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 right after the dot-com crash, we had that recovery, we were at 5%, 4 to 5% on the 10-year. We've been having low rates since the crash, since the uh, OA crash, financial crisis. We're still hovering at 1.9 to 2.7. That's still historically low for a 10-year. So remember, the bond market technically is a smart money. It's the leading indicator of the stock market. There's no way you should be having the S&P where it is now with a 2.77 interest rate, where we were just at 3.2 at 27.12, right before the drop. We were at 3.2 right before the Fed announcement. We're still a couple of basis points away, a lot. So again, I like to look at the 10-year market. I like to look at the flattening yield curve. Good news, the yield curve is not flattening as much anymore, which has helped the banks. But again, at the moment, that's just going to change. We don't know. So again, pick your poison. Either the economy is going great, so the Fed can rate high, hike rates, or we're very, very delicate, and you better not touch anything because it's like glass. You touch it, it breaks. So if that's the case, would you want to invest in this market? So which one is it? So again, it's very, very difficult here. So again, you have trade war, you have government shutdown, you have the Fed, lowering profit expectations, and global slowdown. Those five together, we should be lower, period. And yes, I have short options on it, short put options, absolutely. It's a hedge against my portfolio, true. But again, I'm expecting that. That's what my expectation. Do we, are we going to see a little more rally? Of course we could. We could see a couple more handles up. Again, ride the wave, be smart. But again, this is what my opinion is on what the market is going. So again, I do believe this is a bull mar bear market rally, not a bull market. We're not at a bull market yet, guys. Bull market, I'll tell you this. Break 2019 on the ES. In many futures, we could talk about bull market again because we'll tap the new highs. But we're not getting there. February, in my opinion, is going to get ugly. So that's where we are, guys. Thank you so much for joining me in this podcast. This is Carlos Garcia, founder and CEO of GIR Capital and your host. Have a great one, guys. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and Spotify. We'll get you more great things to come. Have a great rest of your weekend, and uh, we'll catch you guys soon.